Hey there, thanks for checking out Noggin Notes again. This is our 25th episode, and this is the introduction to that episode. My name is Jake Wiskirchen, I'm the host, and I'm also the intro guy. And I like to talk about my company, Zephyr Wellness, because I own it, and it is doing so well that I get to do things like this. And so we encourage people to check out zephyrwellness.org. We're housed in Nevada and the United States. For those of you listening overseas, that's, uh, that's on the west side of the United States. And specifically, we're, we're out of Reno, Nevada. So check out zephyrwellness.org. You can also follow us on Twitter at zephyr underscore wellness or check out the YouTube channel uh, just simply named Zephyr Wellness. And you'll see the ZW logo there. I also want to make mention of a wonderful event that I'm actually a little jealous that I cannot attend. It's called 24 Hours of House Music for Better Mental Health, with all the proceeds going to fund the MIND organization. That's uh, mind.org.uk, MIND, for Better Mental Health. And the event is essentially just an all-night concert of house music. It's hosted by Taboo Nightclub in Bristol and the UK and England. And we're gonna see uh, we're gonna see DJ Craig Brown uh, performing. We're gonna see. I mean, it's, it's sponsored by Funk Agenda, uh, Banjax Music. We're um, we're really proud to be affiliated with this because mental illness is common. And if you've been a listener of this podcast for any length of time so far, you know that it affects millions of people around the world, their friends, families, uh, work colleagues, and and all of society in general. And you know the importance that we push for keeping up your mental health and being mentally healthy. We talk of it uh, much as we do in a physical disease, and that's what I want to push across for the rest of my career is I want to normalize the conversation to the point that we don't have to be weird about discussing our mental statuses. Uh, we don't, we don't, we're not weird about discussing our physical statuses. So it's, it's strange to me that we shy away from discussing mental status and how to become mentally healthy. And, and most importantly, how to notice when we're mentally ill and overcome that. And it truly is overcomable. And that's what today's podcast is about. It's, it's a listener mail podcast. And, um, I'm, I'm really pleased to share the letter from a very courageous person, here in Nevada, who wrote in, but um, back to the, the the mind event. If you want to, you can donate through justgiving.com. Uh, go to their to the fundraising uh, page, Just Giving, and look up Twenty Four Hours of House Music. Uh, you can also check out Twenty Four Hours of House Music on Facebook, and uh, you can also check out Taboo Nightclub's website. There, it's uh, Taboo Nightclub in bristol not any other taboo nightclub around the world and the event will be on clifton triangle it's january 13th uh saturday night through sunday and it'll start 4 30 a.m saturday go all the way through saturday and into sunday 4 30 a.m and uh, like i mentioned before it's really commendable that a business would close its doors uh solely to raise funds for any cause but specifically this cause i think is a is a really noble one it's often overlooked and and the more often businesses like taboo come together with an organization like mind i think the better off we all are as a society because it it pushes the conversation into the mainstream so again um check out 24 hours of house music for better mental health and if you can't make it go to justgiving.com and you can donate there and support the mind organization mind.org.uk thanks for listening i was a little long-winded in this introduction but 
I uh, hope you enjoy this episode of Listener Mail. This is Listener Mail, December 30, 2017, and it's a powerful one, I think. I'm just going to start reading the letter. Hi, I'm thoroughly enjoying the Noggin Notes podcast. I have a question and I'm interested in your advice. Here goes. What can you say to people in your life to help them feel comfortable treating you like a, quote, normal, healthy person, unquote, once you have successfully treated a mental health diagnosis and you are no longer experiencing symptoms? Background. I faced a series of very traumatic, unexpected events almost 10 years ago. I was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, and I immediately sought and pursued quality treatment. I worked hard, and that treatment was successful. I now have a very good life with no residual symptoms. I found that people in my personal life who know what happened to me and medical professionals who are aware that this prior diagnosis exists treat me very differently now. There seems to be a perception in the common culture, even among some professionals, that once you receive a PTSD diagnosis, it's a lifelong disease and you will always be quote-unquote damaged. Articles posted on Facebook with titles like 25 Things Never to Say to Someone with X Diagnosis seem to perpetuate this. There is a night and day difference in the way some people interact and communicate with me now. I really don't care for it. What can we say to put people at ease in our personal life and let them know, without making a big deal about it, that we are fine now and that they can talk about whatever they want with us, say whatever they want, and just treat us like regular folks? How can we effectively communicate to medical professionals treating us for unrelated physical illness that a prior PTSD diagnosis exists but is no longer at play and is not influencing current physical health conditions we seek treatment for? Basically, is there a script that you would recommend that we might consider? You've touched eloquently on the stigma issue in prior podcast episodes, and I would appreciate your opinion specifically with regard to PTSD. Thank you, Darcy. Darcy, your question is really, really good, and it's very valid. I think that it points to the philosophical difference of two very distinct camps in the mental wellness profession, one that believes that mental illness can be overcome and one that simply does not. And from my chair, and I can only speak for me alone because I'm the only one in the room right now, from my chair, I think it's preposterous not to think that mental illness can be overcome. I think it it takes away hope. I think it's severely limiting. I think it's disencouraging. And um, I, I, just, I, just, I just don't buy into it. It just doesn't make any sense. If someone was perfectly fine or whole, reasonably whole, before some event transpired, and you're speaking specifically to PTSD, and they were altered from that. Uh, they, they're no longer going about living the life they want to they want to live, and you know, doing things they want to be doing, and the way that they want to be doing them. Because that event happened, then it's ridiculous to think that we can't return somebody to the prior level of functioning that they had before the event occurred. I think that this is universally true for most mental illnesses, by the way, and uh, I'm not going to go rabbit trailing into too many different diagnoses, but I think the fundamental assumption from which I operate is that people are born whole. Uh, barring some physiological difference or, uh, or impingement, say a structural deficiency in the brain or, or something else that, that you know, physically is, is disturbed, then I think that people are born whole and people who are born whole can be uh, trained and molded and shaped into any sort of functioning. That being the case, they can also be trained, molded, and shaped into any other sort of functioning once they have the awareness that 
whatever they're doing isn't working. So even people raised in traumatic, chaotic environments for their entire childhoods into adulthood. And I've worked with many, many individuals who have just had unspeakable things done to them as children. They have recovered and become whole. They speak frequently and regularly and normally about what happened to them. And they don't have any residual effects like you talk about here uh, or residual symptoms. And I think that's the key. We have to go back to what the definition of a mental disorder is and how the book, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, or commonly referred to as the DSM, addresses these issues. When we take any diagnosis, and diagnoses have codes, and codes go on to insurances for billing purposes, if we take any diagnosis, what we end up with is a series of criteria that have to be met in order to diagnose and treat any condition. Now, if those criteria are not met, and we're still billing insurance for treatment, what we're doing is insurance fraud. And we're also probably disingenuously keeping a person in treatment far longer than they need to be. Now, that's not to say that symptoms can't shift. A uh, classic case of, a, of one of my clients came in with panic disorder. She was having panic attacks, didn't know why. We worked through the panic disorder. Uh, the panic attacks went away, and I could no longer diagnose her with a panic disorder diagnosis. And so, therefore, we were faced with... If you want to continue treatment and you find this valuable, what else are we going to be working on that we could reasonably justify billing your insurance for? Or if she just wanted to pay cash out of pocket for my wise words, that's fine too. But the point is that we have to have some treatment plan, ethically speaking, and some objectives toward which we are working. Otherwise, we're just leading people on and we're, we're no better than snake oil salesmen of you know a couple centuries ago. So once the panic symptoms subsided and she was no longer having panic attacks, what we'd started discussing was just lower level anxiety that was perpetuating the panic attacks. Once we got through the anxiety, we were talking about meaning of life issues. So the, the diagnoses that would be uh, tabbed to this, to this gal would be panic disorder, uh, perhaps a generalized anxiety disorder, or maybe an adjustment disorder with anxious uh, symptoms. And once those are worked through, it's really, really unethical and really, really dishonest to continue treatment anyway. Um, I know that clinicians are out there who make stuff up just to keep people in treatment, and that's not authentic and that's not honest. So I would encourage, as I have in a previous episode uh, when we talked about the eight steps to counseling, I would encourage anybody who seeks counseling or psychotherapy to advocate for yourself in that session, in in that setting, and say, you know what, I'm doing pretty well. I don't think I need to come back. I'll call you when I need an appointment. And that's okay. And, do, and please don't let your clinician talk you out of that without some really good articulable reasons. Now, all that being said, sometimes people are in a bad spot and they don't know how bad they've had it and they do need some some input and some feedback says, I don't think you're where you think you are. And then we can do some scaling and we can do some some question and answer stuff that you know helps the, the client decide whether or not they're actually done with treatment or if they want to take a pause or if they want to space out their treatments. So that's one half of the, the question that you're asking. The other half is has to do with how do we get people to look at you like you're normal? Now, uh, I don't disclose on every form that's given to me every event that's ever happened in my life. Uh, usually when you go into the doctor's office and they ask you to fill out the medical history, they're asking for major things like surgeries or long-term hospitalizations. I'm not going to put down that I went into the hospital for uh, uh, an asthma attack unless I have asthma ongoing. I'm not going to put down that I went in for 
you know, a, a, a bleeding hangnail because the hangnail got cured and the skin healed up. And that's not something that currently is relevant. I might put down a broken arm if it's relevant to the reason I'm going to the hospital. But for you, I might suggest considering maybe you don't disclose that if you worry about judgmentalism coming your way and if you can't trust your treatment provider to treat you like a human being instead of a walking set of diagnoses. Because a lot of times, people who aren't familiar with mental illness, and that includes some physicians with uh, medical degrees, they, they don't have the understanding or the knowledge or the education to accept that feedback that says, I once dealt with this thing and now I am no longer dealing with it. It is not relevant. So uh, to that point, if it's not relevant to why you're seeking treatment at the doctor for your, you know, your hives or your, uh, your asthma or your, your allergies, or maybe it's some, you know, cold and flu season and you got a sinus infection, you want some antibiotics. It doesn't matter whether or not you dealt with a series of traumatic events previously in your life and you overcame them that has no bearing whatsoever on the the infection in your sinuses or the 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 asthmatic symptoms all that being said if you really really feel the need to be completely honest and transparent on every form that's put in front of you then go ahead and and put that stuff down and like the clients that i invite advocating for themselves with their clinicians I would invite you to advocate for yourself so that if your doctor looks at you askance or some other people in your life uh, are tiptoeing around you, you go ahead and, and you take the initiative to say, this, isn't, this doesn't define me. This is something that happened and it's in the past and that's where I choose to leave it. If you want to talk to me about it, I will hap- I'll happily educate you on what it was like to go through these symptoms of nightmares and, and anxious stress and, and uh, you know, hyper, uh, hyper attentiveness and, and that sort of thing. And you can describe what it's like to, to struggle through PTSD, seek treatment, and then come out the other side healthy. I think that is, that's really noble, actually. And I think you could probably become a voice for those who have struggled and no longer are struggling. That's the whole point of my profession. If my profession didn't help people overcome stuff, it would cease to exist. And so, like I said, I think it's preposterous to think of, you know, phrases like people living with mental illness. You shouldn't be living with mental illness in perpetuity at all. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, I don't live in perpetuity with a broken arm. I go seek treatment and then I, I let the treatment take root and I work really hard to rehabilitate my arm and I get back to normal functioning. I don't sit there and self-identify as a person living with a broken arm and then announce it to the world and, you know, in some uh, wrist-on-forehead uh, pity-seeking way. Uh, what, what I would invite is for people who, who view themselves that way as living with mental illness, uh, know that you have the opportunity and the option to dig in and heal completely from this stuff. That's, I just simply fundamentally believe that nature did not create us. God did not create us. The universe did not create us to live in misery. It doesn't make any sense. And it didn't, it didn't create us to live in treatment per, perpetually. Uh, there should be a treatment plan. There should be goals. There should be objectives to those goals. And, and if they're not being met, if you're not achieving your goals, you need to fire your therapist and go find an, somebody who's going to help you achieve those goals so that you can return to full functioning, however you define that. And it certainly isn't up to the therapist to define that. I've heard stories about therapists, you know, telling people what they should or shouldn't do, how they should or should not live their lives. And that's highly unethical, too. Uh, Not everybody needs to go to church every Sunday. Not everybody needs to, um, you know, have a managerial position or go to college or go to doc school or whatever it is. Not everybody needs to do that. People need to find for themselves what their life script are. And And once they find those life scripts for themselves, wherever they find themselves happy, 
that's where you need to be happy. And the, the clinician needs to honor that, not just keep telling you that you're forever going to be sick with uh, your depression or your anxiety or your bipolar disorder or your schizophrenia or whatever it is. And um, PTSD is no different. So Darcy, I really appreciate you bringing this to our attention. I think it's a battle that more people than we choose to recognize uh, do fight with on a, on a regular basis. And that's the, the stigmatization and the judgmental nature of those who don't understand mental illness and don't think of it in terms of a physical illness in, in so far as you can be healthy, get sick, get healthy again in that order that they, they just think that it's too weird and mysterious. And so they, they just rather compartmentalize people and say, Oh, you poor broken person, you, you suffered all these things and now you're, uh, permanently damaged. And that's just not at all the case. If that were the case, I need to just quit my profession and go, uh, you know, throw up drywall for a living or something because, uh, that's, that's, it's not hope inspiring. It doesn't, it doesn't give anybody any sort of illumination or encouragement or motivation to go change and become better. If I thought people couldn't change and develop and grow out of their situations, then I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. So I hope that works. I know that, uh, this was a little bit intense and I, it kind of, it's an, it's a topic that sticks in my craw a little bit. It really makes me, uh, makes my eye twitch when I hear people talk about folks with mental illness, not being able to recover from it or having to stay in treatment or merely having to quote unquote manage their symptoms. Uh, I just, I just think that's hooey. So, uh, that's me. It's my personal opinion. If you don't like it, that's fine. You can stop listening. If you do like it, uh, feel free to share this with other people. You can go on iTunes, give us a rating and review for the podcast. Um, and if you don't have the app yet, please download the app, the Noggin Notes app through either Android or Apple platforms. And, um, as always, on behalf of the Zephyr Wellness team and the Noggin Notes guys, I wish you all great mental wellness. And please, please know that you can overcome anything if you put your mind to it. I'm Jake Wiskirchen. Have a great one. Mm-hmm.